We're at the Davenport Farmers Market today on a beautiful Saturday morning to speak with CJ Munzik, a handpan player. The handpan is a curious musical instrument that produces an ethereal sound and it defies categorization. It truly does not fit into any of the established categories of musical instruments. So let's hear a little bit. CJ, describe the hand pan for us. Well, the hand pan uh, reminds one of the steel pan, which came from Trinidad, except instead of being concave like a bowl, it's convex. And instead of a skirt around the outside, it has another convex shell on the bottom glued together with the upper shell. So it looks like a UFO. And the notes go around in a circle. And there's also the bass note in the center. And then on the bottom of the instrument is a port or a hole that lets air move in and out. What are the names of the different components of the hand pan? Uh, they, they have named uh, all the different aspects of the hand pan uh, so that each of the features can be identified apart from other instruments. So they have named the uh, bass note or the lowest note the ding. and. Uh, it's also sometimes called an apex. And then they have named the port in the bottom the goo. I've also heard it called the oculus. <laughs> and then uh, each of the notes are called tone fields. And within the center of each note is a special feature called a dimple. And the purpose of that is to modify the sound, make it warmer, and uh, quelch the high frequencies, which can be a little harsh to the ear giving it uh, a much warmer and uh, more inviting sound. When I see you play it, because you're playing it with your hands, it struck me as a, as a drum or a percussive instrument, but really it sounds more like a string instrument. Why, why do you think that is? Uh, yeah, a lot of people remark about that. Uh, I've heard them compare it to a guitar or a harp or even a piano. And the reason for that is because when a string vibrates, it creates uh, three main frequencies that have a certain relationship to one another. 
and the hand pan, each of the tone fields are tuned to produce the same pattern of three frequencies. And that pattern is uh, the bass or fundamental, uh, the octave above the fundamental, and then the perfect fifth above that octave. And so with the, that particular combination, it emulates the string when it's vibrating. And that's different from the steel pan. The steel pan tends to use intervals of thirds and other slightly more odd intervals to the Western ear. What's well, certainly very unique, where, where did you first see the hand pan? I first saw it about seven years ago in Bettendorf. There was a man who lives in Hawaii named Dreaming Bear and he was touring through the country doing spoken poetry while playing a hung. The hung is the name of the original uh, instrument that was invented in Switzerland. They don't call theirs a handpan, but the hung is uh, you know, the mother of all of the handpans. So uh, some friends of mine were going to see him and although I wasn't very interested in poetry, I went along with them for something to do and I was captivated by this instrument that he was playing. And it was in a small room and it just filled the entire room and I just watched his hands the entire night. And afterwards I went up to him and asked him about it and that's where I first learned a little bit. But then I went online where I could learn much more about it. What instruments did you play before this? Well, this is my first percussion instrument but I have played the viola, which is similar to the violin. And then I played guitar, electric guitar and electric bass, which was probably the most similar to this instrument because it's sort of a bridge between melodic and percussion instruments. Um, and then you're actually an engineer now, and you said that you went quite a long time without playing music, about a decade or so, is that correct? That's right. I played the bass guitar in college, and it was fun to play with other instruments, jamming and, and uh, you know, making music just for fun. But then when I came up here for my job and left the university, I left behind all of those connections and uh, just the bass on its own. If you're, if you're Victor Wooten, you're fine, but if you don't have his talent, then you generally don't have a lot to go on alone. So I found myself just drifting away, not playing music very much at all, until I discovered this instrument. It really reignited my passion, not only for playing music, but for creating it. Yeah, I love the idea of a, of a scientist, of an engineer playing. It's that perfect mix of right brain, left brain, and um, sometimes one does enhance the other. They're not mutually exclusive. The instrument itself, um, tell us a little bit about where it started in Switzerland. I know it's, a, it's kind of a, a break away from the hung. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because that's a really interesting story. Yes, the hung was invented in a, well, it started being sold in about 2001, but it was actually invented uh, a little before that. I think about two years of development took place. And it originated when some uh, makers of the steel pan, a company called Pan Art in Switzerland, was making uh, their, a very nice steel pan with a warm sound. And there was a, a hand percussionist who came to visit their workshop. And he said, I love the sound of your pans. I just wish I could play them with my hands because that's my preferred method of playing instruments. But the problem I have is that when I try to reach the notes, because it's a bowl, I keep getting in my own way. My elbows have to stick up and I can't reach them easily. If only it were turned the other way, convex like a turtle shell. And they thought for a moment and said, well, come back in four hours. 
and they had welded up a prototype, which they call the Mother Hung. It still exists at their workshop. And that was the very beginning. It took them, as I said, about two more years of constant refinement to try to develop the, the characteristics of how to develop what they call the architecture, how to develop the stresses in the steel that make it stable and, and give the notes enough isolation and yet allow them to transfer energy between each other so that the entire instrument can vibrate as one. And it was many years, it wasn't until about 2009 that anyone else started selling them. And that next company was Pantheon Steel, who made this particular instrument in Missouri. Now, Panart, I've heard, um, was notoriously possessive about their instruments, and they had very rigid ethical controls, if you will, about the um, distribution of their instruments. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, they wanted to make the instrument available to what you might call the average artist. Uh, although the instruments are expensive, they recognized that because of the scarcity and the high demand, they could have charged much more than they were. And so what they did was they made people sign a contract that they would agree not to resell it to anyone and that they would sell it back to the original maker for what they paid. And then the maker would find a new home for the instrument, which they choose very carefully, partially because they don't want their instruments resold on the open market. So you actually had to apply for an instrument by a handwritten letter. And uh, that was a method that they came up with after a few years of initially distributing through uh, music shops and such. But the, the demand just grew exponentially and they had to find another way. The handwritten letters, the requests weren't always honored, isn't that correct? Yes, uh, an estimate would probably put it at less than 10% of requests were honored and uh, unfortunately mine was not either. <laughs> when do people uh, listen? What kind of, uh, do, do they use this for relaxation? When do people tend to um, gravitate towards the hand pan music? Yes, relaxation is one of the most common uses that I hear. Uh, the music does tend to relax a person and it's hard to explain why I think you just have to experience it to understand but I hear that people like to use it after work to unwind or when they're feeling stressed out uh, I've heard of people using it to address road rage <laughs> uh, or just to keep themselves uh, feeling good on a road trip I've heard of people putting it on repeat on a drive across the country uh, even uh, over-the-road truckers use it for that purpose and then there are people who use it in their practices where they are trying to help someone relax and like uh, for example uh, acupuncture or massage or um, you know other different practices that are, are trying to help people to heal themselves and I've also heard of people using it to help their kids go to sleep, that they play it every night before bed. And then if they're in the car and the kids start screaming, they put the CD in real quick and then it gets quiet. <laughs> because it's such a rigid instrument, I'm just curious, how do you tune it? Well, it has to be tuned by hammer, by hand, and it takes a great deal of skill to do so. I would only send it back to the original maker or another very reputable maker of these instruments, but I would prefer the original maker because they have to hammer on it 
in such a way that it's actually painful to watch because it looks like they're going to destroy it. They have to reach their arm in through the very small hole in the bottom, the goo, and try to blindly strike just the right spot repeatedly with a hammer, a ball, ball peen or something with a rounded head. And they can't even see what they're doing. They have to go by feel and muscle memory. And then they'll turn the instrument around and strike the same note again from the outside in the perfect spot. And they just keep going back and forth in and out of the instrument, hammering around on it. It's nothing that I would ever want to try to do myself because I'm afraid that the instrument would be um, irrecoverable. Right. So you actually have to mail it back or send it back. Um, and some of them come tuned to major scales and some to minor scales, but there is some crossover. That's right. Uh, the instruments generally have between eight and ten notes, although there are some deviations from that number. And so because we have to select so uh, few notes, we're generally forcing the instrument into a particular mode, and that could be you know, primarily the major scale, or it could easily be the minor scale. And it's possible to have them be relatively exclusive to one of those. But my instruments happen to have a selection of notes that allows the player to suggest other modes by which notes they're using. So whichever note you use as your lowest tends to be heard as the foundation, and then depending on which other ones you add to that, those relationships will determine the, the feeling of, of the music, whether it's melancholy or happy and bright and major. So yes, just depending on which of the notes I choose, I can adjust that a little bit. Within usually two to three different keys or modes, uh, you can do more, but uh, there's so few notes within each of the modes because there's only nine notes on this instrument to begin with that you know, some of the modes can't be represented very fully. So it's, it's an instrument that gives you great freedom through limitations because the, the freedom comes from being able to play almost any note in the instrument and expecting that it will go well with the others. You know, they're all chosen to be relatively harmonic uh, relative to one another. That's so interesting. For those people listening in the Quad Cities who might want to learn how to play this instrument, what are your suggestions? Well, I have actually offered lessons. Um, there are also lessons available online through Skype and such. But uh, those are really the, the main methods right now. The internet is definitely the primary method for learning. I learn just by doing, and I think that's a perfectly valid method too. Just get an instrument and start playing around with it. And you'll find patterns or things that, you, that sound good that you like, and then you just try to do it again and add a little to it. Before you know it, you have your own pieces that you're creating. You told me earlier that the hand pan opened up your heart. So describe, if you can, your spiritual journey and how it has developed alongside the hand pan. Well, I uh, became interested in truth very early on, and that's why I became an engineer. I wanted to know how things worked and what lies beyond that which we can see. I'm actually a materials scientist. I wanted to know what, what's going on at the level of the atom, what makes one thing different from another. And after school, I continued with my curiosity and started to turn towards the other unknowns of life. And I started to explore different modalities, practices, teachings that might give me a personal experience of that which I was seeking. So I studied Peruvian shamanism in a year-long apprenticeship. And I then started uh, getting into Kriya Yoga and practicing that. 
along with several types of meditation. And uh, now I'm associated with Maitre Bode in the Quad Cities, which is a wonderful organization that through meditation and uh, special um, techniques or special practices can allow a person to personally experience unconditional love for themselves. But maybe I've jumped ahead a bit because in the, in the middle there somewhere was a period where I started playing the handpan. And what that did for me was it brought my relatively uh, introverted nature out into the forefront where I decided that you know I was going to push a little bit and expand myself and come out into public and play for people because I wanted to share the music that I was creating. I, I, I recognized that others could benefit from it too, that they might like it. And it, I was amazed at how well it was received. But coming down here to the farmer's market uh, and just playing on the street invited people, the music invited people to come up to me and they would just ask me questions and start talking to me. And I had so many wonderful interactions with people that really helped open up my heart. Yeah, that synthesis between the, your art, your music, your science background, and just the um, spiritual journey itself is really has been really beautiful. Thank you so much for talking with us, C.J. Munzik. We love the handpan. Uh, the Davenport Farmers Market is open weekly through the end of October. Although, if you want to hear C.J., he just plays on Saturdays. I highly encourage you to come down and check it out. For those people who cannot make it down to the farmer's market, where else can they listen to you, CJ? Uh, my music is available. Uh, they can listen to it for free or pay to download it at shamanscientist.bandcamp.com. Thank you so much. Thank you. This has been Carolyn Martin, Talking Art in the Quad Cities for WVIK. Thank you.